All cultures have animals that can be deemed mystical or magical. In some places, the animals are considered lucky, while others, quite the opposite. Japan is no exception to this. In Japan, the crow is called karasu, and is an animal with a long history in legends and mythology. Tonight, we talk about the karasu. My name is Kevin O'Shea, and I'm the host of the Supernatural Japan podcast. Each week, we bring to you the supernatural, strange, quirky, and historical elements of Japan you might not hear about anywhere else. In this episode of the Supernatural Japan podcast, we will start to look at supernatural animals in Japan. Animals that have a place in myth and legend. Animals said to have powers and the ability to do things that cannot be explained. Now, the crow is a common sight across Japan. There are those who care for it and those who find it an annoyance. Whether you like it or not, the crow is a bird that has a deep-rooted place in Japanese culture. Now, the two main species of birds found in Japan are the carrion crow and its larger cousin, the large-billed or jungle crow. And before we jump into the history and legends of crows in this week's episode of the podcast, I first want to talk a little bit about crows in general. Now, for those of you who may not know much about me, the host of this podcast, I am an avid naturalist. I'm an uh, environmental educator. That's the day job anyway. And I spend a lot of time educating children and adults about nature, wildlife, and I have to admit that I am a huge fan of crows. So this was a topic that I definitely wanted to touch upon in an episode and decided to dedicate an entire episode to it. So before we get into that history of this mythical and magical bird in Japan, let's look at some crow facts to begin with from Audubon.org. So first of all, crows and ravens are all members of the same genus Corvus. And there's about 40 different species in the genus spread out across every continent except South America and Antarctica, as well as several Pacific islands. And we typically refer to the big ones as ravens and the smaller ones as crows. But there's no real genetic basis for the two categories. Okay. Next set of facts. Number two, crows and ravens are some of the smartest animals in the world, with their intelligence considered to be on par with chimpanzees. The new Caledonian crow is probably the most famous example of one sign of intelligence, tool use. But this behavior has been recorded in several other species of corvus as well. Examples of tool use in American crows include a captive individual dipping a cup of water to moisten a container of dry food, and a wild crow ripping off a splinter of wood from a fence to try to spear some prey in a hole. Now, I have um, definitely witnessed uh, another interesting side of crows, and that is their playfulness, their ability to play and have fun. And what I'm going to do is just 
let you know a couple of experiences I had back in the day in Japan. Now, two things that stand out in my mind when I think about crows are in my days living in Kobe, Japan. And for many years, I would commute to work. I lived on a, a man-made island in Kobe Harbor called Port Island. And I would have to take a train from Port Island uh, into a place called Sanomia, where I would then, it was called the Portliner, it still is. And I would then have to catch a commuter train, the JR uh, train, to elsewhere. And um, as I would be on this Portliner train, we would pass by the Kobe, or the Port Island Fire Department and the Port Island Police Station. And the Port Island Police Station had a kind of a, a tower uh, uh, as part of the building and it had a very steep pitched roof and I can vividly remember one morning going to work in the morning and being in that train and looking out of the window and seeing the roof being snow covered and watching a couple of crows what, what looked like sliding down the snowy rooftop and then flying back to the top and sliding down and flying back up and just having a great old time sliding. Uh, another thing that really stands out in my mind was for my last couple of years living in Kobe, Japan, I would cycle commute to work and I would ride my bicycle along uh, the waterfront uh, at Kobe Harbor. And I would always take my camera with me and leave for work really early in the morning. And it would often take me quite a bit of time to get home at night, not because the commute was a far one, but because I would spend a lot of time taking pictures of ducks and other birds uh, on the way to work in the morning and on the way home. And one vivid memory of mine was, was getting off of my bicycle at low tide on my way home around dusk one evening to see a large gray heron, which is a bird that stands more than a meter tall standing kind of in these mud flats and this crow would slowly stalk up behind it and yank on the on the heron's tail feathers and then the the heron would quickly turn around and try to take a a stab with its bill at the crow but the crow would fly off and then the crow would come back stalking, 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 and then try to rip out more of the feathers of the heron. It was incredible. Um, I can't guarantee that I, I, I definitely took pictures of this incident. I don't have video, but I do have some photos, blurry ones I remember. And I'm going to search for them on an old hard drive. And hopefully I can remember to get these photos and put them on the Supernatural Japan podcast Facebook page. Okay, moving on to more crow facts. So crows might be associated with carrion, but the crafty corvids are opportunistic eaters who use their intelligence to eat just about anything from crops to other birds' eggs they can get their beaks on. American crows are seen, have been seen digging pits to forage for clams, distracting river otters to steal fish, dropping nuts on hard surfaces to open them, and stealing pet food from outdoor dog dishes. And recent research has also shown that crows are also known to hold funerals or wakes. When an American crow finds the dead body of another crow, it will call out to alert others in the area who will gather to begin to make a ruckus themselves. And researchers think the behavior helps crow communities learn about potential threats uh, so that they know which locations and predators to avoid in the future. Another interesting crow fact, this communal learning is possible because crows are particularly social and family-oriented birds. American crows will form large flocks to forage at garbage dumps and farms during the day, and they roost in numbers ranging from hundreds to two million in the winter. 
They also form close family units of up to five generations, and yearlings and two-year-olds will even give their parents a hand in chick-rearing, helping to build a nest, keep it clean, and feed their mother while she's sitting on the nest. Now, according to science.com, Crows are extremely intelligent birds, and they are known for their problem-solving skills and amazing communication skills. For example, when a crow encounters a mean human, it will teach other crows how to identify the human. In fact, research shows that crows don't forget a face. Now, many types of crows are solitary, but they will often forage in groups. Others stay in large groups, and a group of crows is called a murder. Now, uh, then, uh, of course, crows will band together to chase predators in a behavior, a behavior called mobbing. And with some crow species, the yearlings and non-mating adults live in a group called a roosting community. Now, some crows migrate while other crows don't migrate in the common sense. They will travel to warmer areas of their territory when needed. And this bird is so fascinating that I myself actually took a class, an online class called the American Crow from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology uh, while I was in Japan two years ago. And at the time I took this uh, ornithology class on crows, it was a great timing for me because it was um, carrion crow nesting season in Osaka, Japan, where I was. And I was actually able to find a nest in a park near the apartment I was staying in while in Osaka, and I was able to observe it um, with my binoculars each day and take notes, and it was a great learning experience for me about crows. Now, let's take a look at crows in Japan. Now, this comes from nippon.com. Now, before we begin, we have to make things clear. There is actually no species of bird called karasu, commonly translated as crow. Karasu in Japanese is actually a collective word applied to five closely related yet different species classified under the genus Corvus, belonging to the Corvidae family in the order of Passeriformes. Karasu make frequent appearances in the media in Japan. Yes, other wild birds like the Toki or crested ibis or the Konotori, the white stork, show up in the news as well most often in stories talking about their endangered and nearly extinct status. Yet the birds that appear more frequently in the news are the karasu, and the tone is very different from how the media cover other birds. Mostly they are stories of friction between karasu and humans in our daily lives. Articles painting karasu as pests that foul neighborhoods with raw trash, pried open garbage bags, or reports about the ear-splitting racket not to mention the piles of droppings, when the karasu gather together. Around the world, though, tradition presents another image of karasu entirely. Since ancient times, corvids have been depicted in every corner of the world as messengers of the gods or purveyors of knowledge. Take the ravens of Munin or Hugin, the symbols of thought and reason, who in Norse mythology were said to have served the great god Odin. In Japan as well, there is a famous Yatagarasu, the raven deified, at the three Kumano Sanzan shrines, along with the Kumano Kodo pilgrimage route in Wakayama. It is recorded in the Nihon Shoki, 
Chronicles of Japan, Japan's oldest historical text, that the Yatagarasu guided Japan's legendary first emperor, Jinmu. In ancient Chinese legend, legends, a three-legged Yatagarasu was said to live in the sun as a bird of good fortune and tidings. In much more recent times, this three-legged bird has won new fame as the emblem of the Japan Football Association. Many Shinto shrines across Japan hold an obisha matsuri around the new year of the traditional lunar calendar. During this festival, supplicants pray to an archery target that bears the image of a karasu, asking for safety and health for them and their families. In this way, karasu have lived on across the centuries in Japanese culture, yet today their real-world brethren no longer enjoy the high status of the past. There are five species in the family Corvidae that have been spotted in Japan. The Hashiboso Garasu, the Hashibuto Garasu, the Miyama Garasu, the Kokumaru Garasu, and the Watari Garasu. Of these, the two that live here all year around are the Hoshiboso Garasu, the Carrion Crow, and the Hoshibuto Garasu, the Jungle Crow, otherwise known as the Large Build crow. From traditionalkyoto.com, there are actually two castles in Japan with the nickname Crow Castle. These are Okayama Castle and Matsumoto Castle. As you might have guessed, these castles have black exteriors due to the black painted wood placed over the plastered walls. In the Kojiki, there is no mention of the three legs of Yatagarasu, only that it is a crow eight feet long. If we look towards the mythologies of Japan's neighbors, we can find the answer. China, for a long time, had a three-legged crow in its mythologies. In the early period of Japan's history, Chinese culture heavily influenced Japanese culture, and this three-legged crow also seems to have been adopted into the Japanese lore. In Chinese lore, this three-legged crow is Sanzunayo, and is red and associated with the sun. In Japanese mythology, this flying creature is a raven or a jungle crow called a yatagarasu, or eight-span crow. And the appearance of this great bird is construed as evidence of the will of heaven or divine intervention in human affairs. Although yatagarasu is mentioned in a number of places in Shinto, the depictions are primarily seen on Edo artwork dating back to the early 1800s wood art era. Although not as celebrated today, the crow is a mark of rebirth and rejuvenation. The animal that has historically cleaned up after the great battles symbolized the renaissance after such a tragedy. Yatagarasu, as a crow god, is a symbol specifically of guidance. This great crow was sent from heaven as a guide to the emperor Jinmu on his initial journey from the region from which would become Kumano to what would become Yamato, Yoshino, and then Kashihara. It is generally accepted that Yatagarasu is the incarnation of Taketsunimi no Mikoto, but none of the early surviving documentary records are quite so specific, and by the way, pardon my pronunciation. 
Trying my best here, folks. Trying my best. Um, in more than one instance, yet Nagarasu appears as a three-legged crow, not in Kojiki, but in Wamyo Ryujosho. Both the Japan Football Association and subsequently its administered teams, such as the Japan, the Japan National Football Team, use the symbol of Yatagarasu and their emblems and badges, respectively. The winner of the Emperor's Cup is also given the honor of wearing the Yatagarasu emblem the following season. Now, from Nippon.com, humans and Karasu, the big-brained omnivores. Now, for humans, these birds are not so much creatures of the forest as part of our lives from ages past. One piece of evidence is how frequently they appear in the annals of the human race, and the Old Testament of the Bible, the Quran, and other ancient works. It may well be the reason that karasu are celebrated in so many Japanese rites as well. One thing is clear, however, is that karasu themselves have discovered advantages to living near humans. In recent years in Japan, creatures including boars and bears have been emerging from the wild to feast on people's agricultural produce and garbage, but karasu were much quicker to discover how convenient living near us can be. One biological reason for this is their omnivorous diet, but the other is their highly developed brains. In short, karasu can eat most anything, from crops to thrown-out leftovers. And they also have the intellect to analyze the connection between human behavior and food. Some have even figured out that after funerals in Japan, food will be put out on the altar as an offering. A tasty treat indeed. There is no doubt that crows can cause a vast array of problems for people. From damaging crops and harassing agricultural livestock, to predating on eggs and chicks of vulnerable, vulnerable bird species, to simply causing a mess by ripping apart trash bags in cities, crows aren't always easy to live with at times. That being said, they are remarkable animals that show incredible intelligence and resourcefulness. This is something that has been recognized throughout Japanese history. The Karasu, a bird well-deserving an episode on the Supernatural Japan podcast. All right, folks, uh, thank you so much for listening. Last week, of course, was a dark week. You may have noticed there was no episode, but we are so happy to be back. The hectic schedule of life can sometimes make regular weekly episodes a challenge, that is for sure. Um, for example, next week, my family and I will be doing some traveling. We are now on summer holidays. So I am not 100% sure if I will have an episode out next week or if it will again be a dark week for the podcast. We'll have to surprise you. Um, we hope you enjoyed our first look at an animal considered supernatural in Japan. Now, remember, you can follow the Supernatural Japan podcast on Facebook by joining our Facebook group. The links will be in the show notes, all the information below the episode. Also, follow our Instagram at Supernatural Japan. Now, you can find me, Kevin O'Shea, the host on Twitter at Mad for Maple. And of course, you can check out some episodes of the podcast over on YouTube at youtube.com slash Busan Kevin. And of course, give us a kind rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts and help us grow this new show. Help us get bigger and we will be very happy. So again, um, reach out to me anytime and I will be happy to get in contact with you. And that's it for this week's episode of the Supernatural Japan podcast. Hope you're doing well and we'll be talking to you again next week. 
Maybe, if not, very soon. 